in the air. Brito back at the wall. Adios, Pelota! That's the type of manager that I'd like to be, which is the same every day. They know what they're going to get. They're going to get energy. They're going to get accountability. They're going to get structure, and they're going to get support. And I'm going to bring those things to the dugout in the clubhouse regularly. It takes hard work, uh, and it takes humility, taking one step forward at a time, making one good baseball move after another. And I really feel like that's how we're going to get where we hope and intend to go. You're listening to Bags and Brisby on Athletic Podcast Network. Welcome to episode 48 of the Bags and Brisby podcast. It is also kind of, sort of, episode 1. Because this is our first podcast of the new year, the new season, the 2020 season. The season everyone will remember is is the one where the Giants just shocked the world and won 112 games. Is that that your uh, prediction, Andy? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so, yeah, let's let's back up and review what's happened since the last time we recorded a pod. Uh, uh, first of all, there's been some banging of trash cans. Uh, Madison yes. Bumgarner has been secretly rodeoing under another name. Um, right. The Giants have signed some players, some of whom you could be excited about, some of whom are less exciting. Uh, but, you know, Gabe Kapler hired 18 million coaches. Um, I mean, <laughs> a lot's happened since we uh, sort of did one of these last, huh? It has. It has. I mean, you know, ep- hey, this is episode 48. That's Pablo Sandoval. And I, I he's back. Like, what? He, he can't really throw, which sometimes you want your baseball players to do. Um, but yeah, I guess he, he's he's throwing enough to where you could slot him in the end of a bench. Uh, I, I'm surprised by all this. I'm surprised by Hunter Pence, too. I mean, this has been an eventful last couple of months in, you know, kind of cheesy Giants terms, but, it, you know, they're not signing Garrett Cole, but still eventful. Yeah, I, the, the day before pitcher uh, position players reported uh, last a uh, couple weeks ago, um, I walk into the clubhouse, uh, the new clubhouse in Scottsdale, and I see um, Pablo Sandoval and Hunter Pence sort of giving each other like a handshake. And I thought, what? what did I step into a time machine? What? How is this possible? And I just walked up to them and I started laughing. I'm like, what? this is just crazy. I mean, Pablo Sandoval coming back made no sense because it looked like the guy was going to be a DH basically, right? Like you said, he's he's only throwing now coming back from the Tommy John surgery. But they're going to treat him kind of like they treated Stephen Vogt last spring. They know he's not going to be healthy to start the year, but they're going to ramp him up and they think that he could be a good positive presence off the bench, get him matchups late in games to switch hitter and uh, and but that's even less of a surprise compared to Hunter Pence coming back I mean we go back to 2018 and it was just about let's get to the end of this contract in the most respectful way we can this guy cannot <laughs> play baseball anymore I mean if 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 he didn't if he wasn't who he was and did what he did he would have been released like 20 times and and, and he rides off on his scooter and he's back one full year later when we all thought he was done. He is back and he's going to get some at-bats against lefties. And, you know, I, I have no doubt that they took a big backlash from a lot of season ticket holders over not bringing back Bumgarner, not bringing back Kevin Pillar, who's very popular. And they know they need to give the fans some some fuzzy, warm feelings and people to root for. I have no doubt that's a big part of these moves. But they also can justify it from a baseball perspective. And they think these guys are going to fit on the roster in, in, in sort of supplemental roles while keeping everybody up and positive. And that's going to be you know pretty important as, as I think this new coaching staff and Gabe Kapler uh, tries to, you know, get everybody moving in the right direction and, and be excited about showing up to work every day. So, you know, uh, what, it, what it's going to mean in terms of baseball production or how many days they're actually on the roster is uh, kind of an open question. But yeah, for now, it, it, it kind of helps with the good vibes and there's nothing wrong with that. 
that's one of the things that I kept thinking about the Hunter Pence move is that if Brandon Geyer had that sort of season last year, that move would have made perfect sense. He would have said, ah, I get it. I see the angles. I see the seven dimensions that Farhan is playing. This is a player who makes sense. And that it's Hunter Pence, it makes even more sense. You know, he's obviously older than Brandon Geyer is, but a right-handed bat that you're not going to pay. It's not a muffler that they're paying a lot for. It is a guy with power who crushes left-handed pitchers. He knows the Wi-Fi password. Like, there's so much there <laughs> that, that like, makes sense to bring him back. Uh, it's just the only cognitive dissonance that I have is that when Pence signed his extension in 2013, my review of it was, hey, this is great. He's a good player. But the end of that contract is going to be a mess because he is a fast twitch athlete with impure mechanics. And the second those fast twitches are gone, uh, I'm not sure that he's going to be able to hang in against the breaking balls. I, I think it's going to be a mess. That was in 2013. And then that that's what happened. And I'm sort of like, well, look at the big brain on Grant. Like, I've got this all figured out. <laughs> and, and then all of a sudden he comes back and he's adjusted those mechanics and now he's good again. Not just good. He's like great again when he's healthy. It's hard to believe. And it's just the red flags, the alarm bells are going off. I want to believe it. But boy, that's a lot of stock into a, you know, two, 300 at bats last year. Yeah, yeah. And I think if you're doing this on an actuarial table, you're going to say, well, it's pretty likely that he is going to probably spend more time on the DL than on the active roster, um, you know, just because he's older. And, and, you know, he is somebody who has already dealt with a lot of uh, sort of hamstring injuries and other injuries. He's not going to be able to DH anymore, at least not uh, except, for, except for the handful of games in AL parks. Um, but, you know, he's a poster boy for exactly what they want to get across in this coaching staff, which is development happens when you're 20, when you're 25, when you're 30, when you're 35. As long as you don't give up on yourself and you're searching for ways that you can, you know, economize and be more efficient and have a better plan of attack and be willing to change, um, then there is hope for you. Uh, and I think that's, you know, Hunter Pence is, is, is a walking, breathing lesson for Brandon Crawford, for Buster Posey, for Brandon Belt, uh, for Jeff Samarja, for Johnny Cueto, for all the other veterans that they're going to need to be on board and, uh, and kind of set a tone for all these other young guys. Cause they don't want, you know, veterans walking around being grumbly while, uh, they're bringing up these young fresh faced kids who are, you know, uh, they, who they want to be totally invested and involved in, in seeing themselves as modern day baseball players. And, and I'll tell you what, I mean, these guys are pretty good at BSing when they want to, and they're all going to hit their talking points, but walking around that clubhouse, talking to Brandon Crawford, talking to Brandon Belt, you know, I've sat down with both of them for more than a half hour each. I really do believe that they are very focused and they're very determined and uh, they're taking this personally and they're all in with this with this coaching staff. They're excited about how this is going to work. Now, you get a week or two in the season. Some of the adjustments don't work. They're going to go back to what they were doing before. Maybe the temptation will be to say, okay, this was all kumbaya, great stuff, but it's just not going to work. The proof is always going to be in the schedule. But for right now, they're starting, I think, in a good place mentally. And, and I don't know if we could have assumed that when Gabe Kapler was given the job and, and, and was meeting with the media for the first time. So, so far on, on that score, it's been a good positive start to this spring. That's one of the things that I, I do enjoy about spring training. And I don't necessarily think that that's something that that's exclusively 
this group of Giants players in 2020. I think that that's sort of true with with exceptions of players when they get to spring training. They are at the, you know, they're, they're some of the 750 best players in the world. They're probably, if they're in the starting lineup or starting rotation, part of the best couple hundred players in the world. And so they, they're they not seeing these nuances that take you from 72 wins to 81 wins or 94 wins. I mean, they're just confident in their abilities. They're getting to spring training. They're refreshed after an offseason of training. You know, they 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 have this ability to come in there and, and be fresh. Now, whether or not reality is going to kick them down a well within the first couple of weeks or a couple of months, it, you know, that's going to happen. But I do love that spring training feeling of, yeah, you know, why not? Because sometimes the why not works. Sometimes you get in after a lousy 2008 season and you say, we've got the young pitching, why not? And then you have a very kind of fun 2009 season. I mean, fun from a pitching perspective, but a season where you see the road forward and you see that light at the end of the tunnel. Uh, I, I think it, it would be embarrassing for a club to get in there in spring training and be like, uh, here we go again. <laughs> right. Another day in the salt mines. Uh, so I, I, I do like hearing that the Giants are sort of like, yeah, let's go. Let's kick some ass because that's what you should be doing if you're at that level. Yeah, yeah, I, I totally agree. And I think that Hunter Pence and Pablo are are, um, are guys who will help uh, to keep that going because once the games start and the pressure starts going up and, 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 and people start really internalizing uh, the games where they don't do well or, or, or the series losses, two out of three, you know, pile up, then it's hard. You know, it's the game will grind you down. And so, uh, you know, staying positive is great. All the rhetoric is great. But it I'll tell you what, man, it, it starts ringing, sounding really tinny to the ear if, if – if you keep, uh, you know, talking up what a, what a great uh, attitude we have and how we're so development focused and how everyone's focused on getting better when you're sitting there with an 11 and 28 record after after a couple months. So, um, you know, we'll see what happens during the season. But, yeah, for right now, I think they're starting in a good place. And this is a good chance to segue into Brandon Crawford. Uh, you just wrote a feature about Brandon Crawford and his relationship with Gabe Kapler. And one thing that was sort of unspoken, I guess, uh, is that Crawford, there were no guarantees that he would be back. Uh, his season was poor enough last year to where you could project him going forward, maybe as not a, a contributor in the starting lineup. You have a front office that's not necessarily remembering the the play in, in 2014, the double play, like all the gold glove exploits. This front office hasn't seen all of that. And there was a, you know, if there, a team comes by and says, hey, if you pay X number of salary, we will give you uh, Y prospect that might have enticed the Giants. Uh, it wasn't a given that he'd be back. So talk about, uh, talk about, I just gave you a talk about question. Oh my God. <laughs> what, like uh, him specifically, when it comes to your perception of that clubhouse and people who are raring to go, how does Crawford fit into that? Yeah, I mean, it, by any measure, it was just a bad, bad season. I mean, by OPS plus, 135 big league hitters had enough plate appearances to qualify for the batting title. So basically, 135 everyday regular big leaguers. Crawford ranked 132nd. And uh, you don't want to see where Yolmer Sanchez ranked because um, he was actually a little worse. <laughs> but uh, um, but you know what? I He, he knows that, that you know, he, he's not going to be... Uh, um, the same at 33 as he was at, at, at 26, 27. Um, but there are ways that, uh, that I think he's acknowledging that, you know, not only offensively, but defensively, um, there, there are things that he needs to improve in his game. And, 
you know, he's, he's working with the coaching staff to try to, you know, be open to making changes. And I think we could all sort of think about, oh, who are the veterans who are going to be most stuck in their ways? Or who are the ones who will have a sense of entitlement? Or who are the ones that are going to be like, you know, why are you telling me how to position myself as a shortstop? I'm a three-time gold glove shortstop. Um, but he isn't going into it that way. And I think, uh, I think maybe as, as Gabe Kapler said, it's easy to make assumptions about Brandon Crawford because of the way he carries himself. Um, and, and, and the way I phrased it was, you know, it's, it's really cute and funny and kind of endearing when he makes a great play and, and it's completely expressionless, but when he has a really bad game or, or series or, or season and he's expressionless, you think he doesn't care, but really he's just the same guy. He's just, uh, internalizing it in a different way. So, um, but you're right. You know, it's, it's nothing's guaranteed. I think to him, they've got other people in camp. Uh, the, the biggest one is Mauricio Dubon. I think that the giants would like to move him all around the infield and outfield, uh, as a flex piece, kind of a Chris, Ta- uh, Chris Taylor kind of a piece. But, um, if, if Brandon Crawford is, is, you know, sitting there with a, you know, 178 average at the end of, of April, um, and he isn't hitting breaking pitches at all, and, and he isn't really making plays like he used to, especially to his left, then I think they will um, probably react to that, and uh, and they could make Dubon more or less a starting everyday uh, shortstop. So yeah, I, I think that he does, Crawford does feel a little bit more heat. Uh, he says that even if he didn't feel that heat, he would still be pushing himself to be his best. Um, but but there's no question. I think the Giants failed Brandon Crawford for a long time. They did not give him a competent backup for basically a decade. And he had to play a lot of games where he was not even close to 100%. And he did it because the drop-off to whoever his backup was, and I won't go through the names to because I don't want him to feel bad, but, you know, I mean, when's the last time the Giants had a decent backup shortstop uh, to Brandon Crawford? They, they really didn't ever. And uh, maybe some of the air has gone out of the balloon as a result. And he could very easily sit back and say, look, I did my time. I've sacrificed for this organization. I've, I've given him my all. But, you know, he's taking a better attitude into trying to find a way to be a productive player again. And he knows it's incumbent upon him to do so. And he also probably knows there's going to be consequences if he doesn't. And he wants those 106 more games uh, played to be the all-time franchise uh, leader uh, in games played at shortstop. That means a lot to him. So, so that's just one more little carrot on the stick, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. It, it, when you said 33 years old, my brain sort of did a wah, wah, what? Like a double take because I forget all the time. I forget that these guys aren't 78 years old. And, <laughs> you know, that that goes for everyone. And it's not like 33 is, is young by baseball standards. I get the aging curve. But... Uh, I mean, for example, okay, so uh, here is a 35 or 36 year old shortstop. Uh, he had a 78 OPS plus and he hit 244. He was injured a lot. He hit 17 extra base hits in 64 games. Just a, a slap hitting, weak batted shortstop who is 36 years old. I know where you're going. I know where you're you going. Know, and not only that, but two years later, when the Giants signed him, he they signed him because he had failed a physical with the Seattle Mariners. Like the Mariners looked at something and said, "Oh no, 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 no!" And that boy's name was Omar Vizquel. Yeah, you know, it's that was like, you know, Omar Vizquel should have been cooked, and he had these ups and downs. And you forget those ups and downs because you remember the ups. You remember him coming back at 38 and being solid. You remember, uh, let's see, in 2006, he's 39. He's hitting 295. I'm not saying Brandon Crawford is uh, Omar Vizquel. Obviously, Omar Vizquel is building, a, you know, a quasi-Hall of Fame or built a quasi-Hall of Fame legacy. 
But you see that because he was Omar Vizquel was never a thumper. He was just someone who gap to gap, who uh, you know he had a little bit of power, but not really. He was mostly just defense and a solid enough bat. Maybe Crawford can get back to that, or I don't know. Maybe baseball has changed so much that Omar Vizquel might have might as well be Honus Wagner. Yeah, I, I would argue that baseball has changed so much that that. Crawford really couldn't use that as a career pattern. I, um, another broken down shortstop who had probably the best uh, career dead cat bounce of all time was a guy who won the World Series MVP, Edgar Renteria. I mean, he looked he looked dunner than done three months before he was the World Series MVP. So, I mean, you know, it, it's I think that uh, one thing that was interesting that came out of my conversation with Gabe Kapler is you know we think of of this Giants front office as being just completely objective and cold and analytical. Um, but Kapler really values the fact that if you're someone who has institutional knowledge and you know what it takes to be successful and you've been in these big situations, uh, that counts for something. And so he looks at Crawford and he said, look, I see feet that still work. I see, I see athletic plays that he can make, improvisational plays that nobody else in this camp can make. And uh, yeah, he's 33 and, and there are things that we can do to you know, try to you know, maybe get back a little of the range he might have lost or uh, but, but, you know, overall he sees an athlete that they can work with. And he thinks that baseball's failed some of the older players in the rush to, you know, develop younger, cheaper talent, uh, that that is maybe a big inefficiency in the game right now, um, is, you know, giving up too soon on players who, uh, you know, are not, are on the downslope of the aging curve. And he feels there's more in the tank. And, and that's a big part of what, this coaching staff is going to be directed toward uh, doing is getting more out of those players. And that's what the, the, those players themselves are going to be challenged to do to say, Hey, look, you know, we, we know that you've got more in you. Let's see what we can squeeze out. If you were to guess on average, how many days people in the U S have to wait to see a doctor? What would you say a week? Maybe actually on average, people have to wait around 29 days to see a doctor in major U S cities, basically a month. If you're dealing with a condition like erectile dysfunction, you want treatment ASAP. That's why our friends at Roman have spent years building a digital platform that can connect you with a doctor licensed in your state, all from the comfort of home. Roman makes it convenient to get the treatment you need on your schedule. Just grab your phone or computer, complete a free online visit, and you'll hear back from a U.S. licensed physician within 24 hours. And if the doctor decides that treatment is right for you, Roman's Pharmacy can ship your medication to you with free two-day shipping. You also get free unlimited follow-ups with your doctor anytime you have questions or want to adjust your treatment plan. With Roman, there are no commitments and you can cancel anytime. So if you're struggling with ED, go to GetRoman.com slash Giants for a free online visit and free two-day shipping. That's GetRoman.com slash giants for a free online visit and free two-day shipping. Now, to present a cynical viewpoint, how is that different from last year? I mean, how is that different from the plan in 2018 when, you know, hey, if we can just squeeze out another good year from Belt, Posey, Crawford, we're going to supplement it with uh, McCutcheon, Longoria. Uh, how is this different except everyone's two years older? Uh, I think the biggest difference is that they aren't going to, you know, sign free agents to short-term deals that block young players from developing. I think that they're they're not they're not going into this thinking, 
okay, let's just sort of squint a little bit and maybe we can see a team that could get to 86 wins and get in the playoffs. You know, I, I, I don't think that they're going to make any moves whatsoever that's going to get in the way of the fact that this is going to be a development-oriented season. Um, and in, in the case of a Crawford, they've got him under contract for two years. So, you know, instead of just seeing him as a sunk cost, I think they're looking at, you know, okay, what value can we extract from this? How can we, you know, bring this in for a soft landing, so to speak? Um, but, you know, I, I don't think that they're looking at this in terms of, well, if we just get, you know, X, Y, and Z, now we can make these moves at the deadline and, and we can make a run at this thing and, and keep the top spinning for one more year. I mean, the, that top is not spinning anymore and they know that. Um, but, uh, um, you know, it's, it's just being open-minded and not giving up on anybody and, and, and trying to view everybody as a project. And um, some of them will work out and, and a lot of them won't. One exercise that I do when I look at the, the Giants depth chart is to sort of pre- pretend like I'm not seeing the name and I'm just seeing the career path. I'm just seeing the recent history, the the history before that, and saying, would this player make sense on the Giants if his name were something different and if he signed a one-year deal? So instead of Buster Posey, franchise icon, uh, and MVP in 2012, just clear all that and say, okay, Here's a defense first catcher who can kind of sort of handle the bat uh, well enough to keep him in the lineup, and he would be around for 2020. Is that someone the Giants would want? Well, yeah. I, they don't want to shove Joey Bart out there right away. They would. There's value in that defense first catcher. Uh, there would be value in preventing runs. There's there's value in the pitcher whispering. Uh, so yeah, I think if his name were Bob Snurd. Yeah, let's get him on and, and for a one-year deal. Now, I understand Posey has longer than a one-year deal, but just for 2020, the idea of a catcher like Buster Posey makes sense, and you can sort of do that. It's not like there's a great first-base prospect who needs to play right now. Brandon Belt would make sense. Hey, here's a guy who has provided offense in the past. He he takes his walk. He works the pitchers. Uh, Brandon Belt would make sense if his name were something different. So you can kind of sort of go through and make excuses for most of these guys because there's no one really pushing them with the exception of Barton Posey. Uh, with the exception of, I think, Crawford. Crawford's the one where you look at and you, and you go, oh, Dubon might might be the guy. Like, this might be the one we would be trying in 2020. And so that's why I think he is a little bit of a different case compared to all the other veterans on the team. You can look at Crawford and say, yeah, those at-bats might be coming from somewhere else. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think their evaluation of Dubon is that he's a nice player. I, I don't know if they evaluate him as someone who's going to be a perennial everyday shortstop. Um, the, the comp the comp that I make is to Matt Duffy, um, you know, somebody who still has to show that they're durable enough to, to get through a full season after a full season uh, because he's not really, a, you know, a, a big guy. Um, but he does have a lot of athleticism. He can play a lot of spots and, and he's got great baseball IQ and he can help you win a lot of games in a lot of small ways. I really think that Dubon, and I think he's going to be popular with the fans too, because of the way he plays. I, I see a lot of, of Matt Duffy and Dubon, but, um, I, you know, I don't know if he's coming up, uh, uh, kind of like Crawford was where you're thinking that position could be his for, for a decade, uh, or, or six years or something. And now they have, you know, the guy, uh, 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 Will Wilson that they traded for, who's an eight ball kid. He, he could be knocking on the door next year, perhaps. Um, you know, they're trying to get more shortstops in the system. We know about Marco Luciano, even though he might have to move to another spot. Um, he's a guy who draws Alfonso Soriano comparisons. So, you know, they, they do have shortstops in, in the pipeline, 
but but you're right. I, I don't know if there's anyone who's like the Joey Bart of shortstops that is pushing Brendan Crawford. But at least there's a little push on him now, which he hasn't had for a long, long time. Uh, but I, I will say, when, when, when you're looking at players and, and stripping the names off, I think you should leave the names on because um, I'm astounded by how many people are in that clubhouse right now who you mentioned before anybody else you had Chadwick Trump. You had Tyler <laughs> Heineman. You had Trevor Cahill. It's almost like Farhan Zaidi was like, you know what, man, I, I'm changing diapers. I got too much stuff going on. I, I can't pay attention. <laughs> what, what, what am I president of baseball offices? Come on, this job does itself. I'll just read Grant and I'll just pluck a couple names out of what he puts and then I'll, I'll, I'll go sign those guys. And that's almost what it felt like every time the Giants would sign a minor league free agent. I was like, wait, uh, uh, that, uh, that was Grant's suggestion like two weeks ago. Do you know the disaster this franchise would have been any season you throw a dart at if they had listened to me with anything? I mean, if you can go all the way back to like Nick Johnson instead of Aubrey Huff. I mean, just like every move I've I've been, oh yeah, the Giants should totally get, I don't know. Uh, What's the one you were most wrong about? What have you been most, most, where are you most embarrassed to admit that you were the most, your misevaluation of misevaluations? Oh gosh. Uh, I, I, off the top of my head, I hated the Javier Lopez trade because John Bowker was the future man. <laughs> and you're talking like, what is a left-handed only reliever going to, th- like a, a loogie, what is, what is that guy really going to do to your championship hopes? What is the best case scenario, people? Uh, oh, oh, that. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's pretty good. That's that's pretty much a best case scenario. So yeah, I, I hated that trade. But it, it you know, there's, there's a ton of, of just dumb. To, it, when you're in the opinion business, Boy, you've got a lot of excrement that you are shoveling. Um, but I'm actually, I, I like that you brought up Tyler Heineman and, and Chad Trump because, like, I like them. I like them as backup catchers. I I think we're spoiled because we just watched maybe the best backup catching season in Giants history, and that's probably not hyperbole. Uh, so I don't think that we're going to get another Stephen vote, but Rob Brantley, I think, is a very solid player. He's been someone who's buried uh, in AAA. Uh, Heineman is is very solid. He's like a, a unicorn of a catcher because he's a switch hitter who can field a little bit and, and has some offensive skills. I don't know. Am I making too much of this? Am I too excited about AAA stats and and catchers who can do almost something that resembles anything? Well, I don't want to tamp down your enthusiasm. I mean, if 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 this gets you going, then yeah, you know, let, <laughs> let your let your backup catcher flag fly. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, all those guys I think have been impressive. Uh, a lot of the pitchers have remarked to me that they really like throwing to Brantley. He's a very mm. positive guy. You know, they win their Cactus League debut, or, or maybe it was the second Cactus League game, and he walks off the field and he yells, "Never a doubt." <laughs> you know, so um, <laughs> he definitely has a personality about him. Heineman's a super chatty guy. I mean, you like your catchers to be social and people who connect and uh, because that's their job. Their job is to communicate. And uh, so, yeah. And, and Chad Trump, I walked up to introduce myself to him and he said, Oh, you're extra bags. And I said, uh, yeah, that's me. And, 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 uh, and, and I said, are you on Twitter? And he says, yeah. And I said, what's your Twitter handle? And he said, tropical storm. Tropical yes. storm. I said your Twitter handle is better than my Twitter handle. So, <laughs> so give Tropical Storm a follow, and uh, yeah, he's he's a pretty cool guy too. Tropical Storm. I'd like it. You know, real quick before I forget, you're mentioning Dubon and uh, Matt Duffy as a comparison. So I had the idea of a social media steel cage match. Are you taking the gigantic, fluffy, fat cat, 
or are you taking the never-ending stockpile of pictures of a younger self at Oracle Park? Which one is cooler? I can't decide. Oh, man. Man, I don't know. I don't know. Skeeter's got such a place in Giants history, you know? Yeah, rest um, in peace, Skeeter. Rest in I peace. I know, I know. Uh, boy, I, I just think it's so cool that you've got two guys now in the middle infield, in Dubon and Brandon Crawford, where we've got you know photos of them as, as, uh, as little kids with Giants gears on, and now they're playing across from each other. Uh, that, I mean, that's that's a kind of a big time, time universe confluence of events that you never could have predicted. Uh, and and I had a great interview with Dubon uh, last week too. I'm sort of holding on to it, and I'll write something about just what it was like for him to go home to Honduras this off season as the first uh, Honduran, you know, really born and raised uh, um, to become a big leaguer. And 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 he was sort of amazed by just how people saw him differently and, and how he was received. And it was really cool. Just really neat what, what he's been through in his life and, and uh, just a very upbeat guy. And I think someone who's going to become a big time fan favorite. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and I have a stockpile of these pictures too, and I need to collect them all in one place because uh, I have a picture with myself and Scott Geraltz. And at the time, you know, no one read it back in 2010, but it really looks like it's the start of a crappy time travel movie. Like I'm meeting my former self because Geralt's got these big glasses and I've got <laughs> these big glasses. And it's sort of like, I don't know, like I, uh, it's, I could see me. But, you know, I, I love that Dubon is, is getting through these pictures and just sort of like, yeah, remember, I, I was there for 2010. It was a blast. Let's do it again. You know, come on, let's play too. Uh, I just, I can't wait for his season. And I really hope that the enthusiasm that he has is, is the homegrown of the homegrown, uh, even though, you know, he's acquired in a trade. I mean, just like homegrown as far as Giants died in the orange and black. Uh, I, I'm curious to see if that translates to on-the-field stuff that everyone can rally behind. Because I don't know if you know this about Giants fans, but they tend to like their minor figures. They're supporting guys with a little bit of personality. They sort of take to them. Have you noticed that? Oh my gosh, yeah. And and I, <laughs> I totally feel a kinship to that too because, you know, as someone who grew up a Cubs fan, you know, I'm not a fan of the Cubs anymore, obviously. I'm not really a fan of any team. I'm I'm a fan of of not playing 18 inning games, but um, and rain delays. I'm also not a fan of rain delays, but uh, but I will always be a fan, a capital F fan of the Cubs teams and the players that I grew up rooting for. And I mean, we're talking the Doug Desenzos of the world and the Tuffy Rhodeses and the Les Lancasters, and it's almost like you can sort of wall yourself off in this little subset of fans where it's like, yeah, we we know all about these guys. You know, you can root for Barry Bonds, you can root for Buster Posey. That's great. You can root for Madison Bumgarner. Um, but you know, if you're a Joe Kamak fan, boy, man, you know, we're speaking a secret language and, and that's what I think this season is going to be about. I mean, yeah, it's going to be tough at times. I think that, I do think this team is going to be, and this is my nutshell, my nutshell evaluation of the Giants going into this season. We can check back on this, but I think they will be a better team than last year. I think they've got more pitching depth. I think that they're going to have more depth, more interesting pieces to try. They're going to have more players who can actually come up and make an impact at some point this season. I think they will be a better team, but I think they will be a better team that loses more games because they were 38 and 16 in one run games, 13 and three in extra innings. You flop, flop that one run record around. They're a 105 loss team last year. And the two guys most responsible for those one run wins are Will Smith 
led the major leagues in leverage index, and Bruce Bochy, in my opinion, and they're not a part of things in the dugout anymore. So I think that they're going to lose more games, but they're going to be a better team. And hopefully they're going to be a team that's going to be more fun to watch, especially at home. Uh, and, and you know what? If, if that's the case and this is a team that you know loses 90-plus games, just enjoy it. Just enjoy the people who emerge and enjoy the Mauricio Dubons. Enjoy the fact that maybe you can go to a game for a lot less than you could before. Um, you know, price of beer isn't going down, but but maybe you can get the tickets for cheaper. And and, and just uh, you know, if that make, maybe makes you in a cool subset of Giants fans that you you, you were there and you stuck through it. Um, I, I know from experience as a Cub fan that that's uh, that's something that sticks with you. Yeah, I, I mean, I grew up at Candlestick. I grew up with a lot of bad teams. One of the reasons, and I, I might have mentioned this here, but I've definitely definitely written about it. One of the reasons I fell in love with baseball is because of Bill Lasky. Every time I would go to uh, the Sunday, my parents had a Sunday season ticket package, and every Sunday that the Giants were at Candlestick, I'd, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd trudge down to the, the field or, or close to the field, and Bill Lasky would see me and give me a ball every time because I was wow. one of, like, 20 kids there. Um, you know, so that sort of stuff really does resonate. Now, to that end, did you see the MLB.com, the cut four list of one memorable cult hero from every team? Oh, I did. I was scrolling okay. through it, and I was like, Darn. I was like, what? <laughs> I wanted to surprise I, you. <laughs> I, I'm not getting the concept here. Yeah, I totally, I totally did not get the concept for the people that they chose. Yeah, so if, if, it's MLB.com. It's cut four. And as someone who has done these sorts of things, where you go through and you try and say something about all 30 teams, it's tough. It's tough to to get in the weeds for all 30 teams. It, it's like a thankless exercise and you're going to screw a lot of it up. I know that. I've done it. I'll do it again. I'm doing power rankings, you know, once a month or so this year. I'll screw things up there. It's just hard to cover all 30 teams. However, the Colt hero for the Giants, I'm so sorry. It is not Chris Heston. Uh, no, we, no, we, we took no. A, we took a vote, and Chris Heston, that no hitter was amazing. That sinker, electric. I will always have fond memories of that of that uh, no hitter. But buddy, there's Travis Hishikawa right there. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I mean that's that's before you get to Connor Gillespie. I mean, if you want to really get like to the B sides, you can go Connor Gillespie. But Travis Hishikawa is. He is just like a metonym. He's he's like you say his name and and you're thinking pennant like that. You're thinking a wild decision that should not have worked, that should have exploded, that ended up taking flight and going to the moon. Like that that's like the cult hero of cult heroes. Like that that's the winner. Maybe they thought that that hitting a, a, a pennant clinching homer was just too like yeah. too obvious. Like it had to be somebody who achieved something memorable, but is kind of a forgotten name. I, I think of a cult hero as someone who is kind of a fringy player who is way more popular than they should have been. Um, I mean, I think of popularity index and Chris Heston. I mean, you know, God love him. He had a, a really good you know three months in the rotation, and his stuff in that no hitter was I think better than Matt Cain's stuff in his perfect game, or or either of Timmy's no hitters or or Sanchez's no hitter. I mean, I thought Chris Heston had the best overall stuff of all the you know the five no hitters and perfect games I've seen. But I, I don't think that people are you know going to just fall over themselves to give him the loudest of ovations when he comes back to the ballpark. Uh, you know, I, who who would it be, do you think? I mean, Ishikawa is, like you said, he's right there. He's obvious. He's the guy who hit a, a pennant-clinching homer. But is there someone you could think of who was just, like, super endearing that everyone loved but maybe didn't have those big moments? 
I would say if you're going to go for someone who wasn't like a key cog of a camp, a championship team, we've already talked about him, Matt Duffy. Like Matt Duffy yeah. has this cachet with the fans that is it's still surprising to this day. When the Rays declined to offer him a contract, people are like, yeah, bring Duffy back. <laughs> and, you know, he was not – he did not have those moments uh, in the World Series. Like, you know, he – He's just sort of Matt Duffy, and he, for whatever reason, he was a part of one of the best defensive infields that I can remember. Uh, and, you know, he was a part of the 2014 team. You know, he did score, let's see, he scored a run in the 2014 World Series, uh, but it, it wasn't like the game-winning run. So I would go with Duffy, but if you're going to include championship teams, it's got to be Andres Torres, I think, because that guy can show up wearing, you know, a, an amazing Technicolor shirt and just get a standing ovation for an hour. Anywhere he goes related to the Giants, he's someone that is just entirely beloved. Yeah, yeah, I, I would say so. And by the way, Matt Duffy did end up signing a minor league contract with an invitation to spring training with the Texas Rangers. So what if, what if he Hunter Pence's his way through the spring and, and all of a sudden he's back uh, back on the map? That would be good for ball. That would definitely be good for ball. That would be good for ball. Now, Here's an important question. Are we kind of doing the the half hour thing? We didn't talk about this before we started recording. I I think we're just sort of on a regular schedule, which means our time is almost up. Yeah. Feels like well, we, feels like we just started. I did the math last year and we we yacked at each other for more than a day of our lives last season on these podcasts. So um, okay, that's a good sign to clean yeah. it up and uh, <laughs> and end this sucker. No, but um, wow, it, it feels like we have a ton to talk about. I'm excited to get the podcast going again. Uh, it's good to talk to you, uh, hear your voice, and yeah, Bags and Brisby, we're back, we're back. We had and so much to talk about that we only had the fleeting, most passing mention of Mason Saunders. Can you believe that? Maybe we should do an entire half hour on Mason Saunders next time. We probably uh, Based on the popularity of that story, we should have done an emergency podcast on that. <laughs> I mean, it just, I think the only thing that could have made that funnier is if he were a rodeo clown. That mm. would have been, you know, if Bumgarner's out there capering, I think that would have been because it would have played against type. Him out there roping, eh, you know, I, I get that. But what if he were a rodeo clown? I guess that's way more dangerous, but it would have been funnier. Yeah, no, the, the only clowns have been the Astros and just replace those barrels with trash cans and you're all set. <laughs> oh boy yeah i just wrote i'm writing something uh about something totally unrelated to the astros and i wrote that uh they bang on garbage pitches because they have that can-do spirit and i just looked at it and i said <laughs> this is the dumbest thing i've ever written and how can i get more of it yeah, right. Do spirit. I didn't save that for a tweet. All right. This has been episode 48, the Pablo Sandoval edition of Bags and Brisby. Thank you so much for listening. We will be back. Gosh, I don't know if we have a regular schedule yet. I think we are. We're doing twice a week. Um, and I, th I think, uh, yeah, by the time this one goes, we'll have another one in the can ready for, uh, for later in the week. Yeah. All right. Let's do it. All right. Thanks so much for listening. <laughs>